0: We're back! Welcome to our special Film Formally mini-series. Friend of the podcast, Sophie Ranvari's short films are, as you may or may not have heard, now available for streaming on the Criterion channel. To mark this occasion, we're joining Sophie to record a series of commentary tracks. These feature the writer, director, co-editor, and sometimes star, Sophie herself. Each episode will be synchronized to a specific film available on the Criterion channel, just have the short film for this commentary ready to go, and press play on the movie when you hear a ding. Like that. You don't need to worry about getting the sync too perfect. After the film, we'll have a little bit of extra discussion that isn't bound by the chains of synchronization.
1: Today's commentary is for In Dog Years. So get your copy of the movie ready to start playing. We're gonna start in five, four, three, two. One. In dog ears. This was a film commissioned by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and therefore a left turn in your filmography, Sophie, because there was a budget.
2: Correct. Yes, there was a budget. Do you want me to talk about why?
1: Yeah, like how this came about? You basically made two dog movies in a row, although this was shot after still processing.
2: That's true. In Dog Years came about in a very roundabout way, I guess, because I had made Norman Norman and I had made Pumpkin Movie. And I think a representative from the CBC saw Pumpkin Movie at Hot Dogs, Leslie Burchard, and she wanted to acquire it, which was surprising to me that the CBC would want to play Pumpkin Movie. But they they loved it and they wanted to acquire it, which was, I think, the first film I've ever had acquired but in having that conversation with her I said that I also have another film if you're interested in taking a look also kind of in the same vein called Norman Norman I showed her and she loved it she's a big dog person so I think it wasn't hard to sway her on it but when we started to take a look at the budget that it would cost to get things cleared properly because the CBC is a broadcaster and they have to have things cleared really really down to like every frame and that's not something we've ever thought about when making our films that we you know we're not using like tons of music or anything in, in any of these films but there is the YouTube footage and obviously the YouTube footage of Barbara Streisand so when we found out the fee that it would cost to get things cleared properly with a lawyer of Norman Norman I kind of on the spot came up with a concept where I pitched to her what if I just made you another film that's similar but for the same amount of money that it would cost to clear things to get Norman Norman on the channel and she loved that and went for it and so we were able to kind of broaden the scope of Norman Norman to other people and other people's experiences with the senior senior dogs and grief and it was such a silly like dream come true to get to just like meet people and talk to them about their dogs and be able to pay people finally and have a little bit more of like a legitimate workflow for everything came together really quickly because the concept is very i feel like i'm just repeating myself oh my god the concept is very simple and it's came to very (sighs) that's how you make eight movies in five years or whatever they all come together quick this was shot with an
0: escape hatch right where you had an extra camera
2: yes Well, let's talk about the conceit, right?
1: So all these interviews, we're seeing a series of interviews of dogs right now. We're only seeing the dog and notably missing are the faces of the people talking. And that's what Will is referring to. How'd that idea come about? And what did we do to make sure that we also got the?
2: It is a continuation of the concept of Norman Norman, which was similarly not showing the, the human's face. And it's a way to, once again, juxtapose like the inherent comedy of a dog on screen with the seriousness of a a person speaking about their perceived, you know, the mortality of the dog. So it's another one of those juxtaposition of what you're hearing and what you're seeing, especially when you see like a dog with goggles. It's just so cute and so funny and so sweet, but we're talking about very serious things and people's real devastating emotions around having to like let go of their pets so it seemed like that would be a really transferable concept between norman norman and in dog years and i think it was and it, you know you get to know the, the people but you i don't i don't even miss their faces at all like i think we get so much the personality between the dog and what the person is saying like kind of creates a character in and of itself
0: yeah body language is such a big factor too in just how people present themselves.
2: Yeah, you can see the nervousness, or you can see the the sort of as much as they know their face is not part of the frame, they are still going to be self-conscious. But we did film their their faces just in case.
1: I don't think I've ever looked at it because we it was literally just like a producer insurance policy, I think, and I didn't even operate that. Our um our intern, <laughs> We had an intern on this one.
2: Oh yeah, we hired we hired someone from she was in Capilano Emma. She did the same program that I did. And she reached out to me and asked if she could do her practicum with me, which was really sweet because I did, I remember I did practicum with a with a director as well, Anna Valine, And it was really just nice, like many years later, to get to do that with someone. And then she flew out from Vancouver and came and helped on set. So it was a three-person crew.
0: I love that there was an escape hatch, but I was also like immediately determined to do everything I could to not use a frame of the human face footage.
2: Yeah. Only dog face. But no, it was a lot of fun to make. It did make a huge difference having resources. Like, it didn't change our method of of creating the film. It didn't change that much. But we could pay ourselves. We could eat.
0: There wasn't a question of, can we get this thing when it was needed?
2: Yeah, we were able to just get the little, the little luxuries that would make the filmmaking, the documentary shot in Toronto, a little bit more pleasurable.
0: And getting paid helps, like, it makes it easier for me to justify, like, this was the first film that I did a full score on. It just makes it so much easier when you're getting a little bit, <laughs> when you're getting paid for it and you can justify setting aside that extra time.
2: Of course. I mean, yeah, every time since then, it feels very hard to ask anyone to do anything for free. Like once you get money to pay people, it's just like a game changer. You know, you, you never want to make people work for free or for cheap. But as soon as you do start getting those resources, it's like, I'm, I never want to go back. as much as I can help it
1: i know the structure of this film was very challenging to find for you two because you know the film is a compilation of many interview subjects and in any documentary like that you have the question of how much do we want to delineate each character as their own thing right how much do we want to know the owners or the dogs versus how much is this kind of the whole you know what would terrence malick say like all all men got one big soul that that type of thing tell me about that that process and how you arrived at the edit you did sophie
0: just gave it her passes and as usual sophie's very good at finding the stuff that it feels essential to her and that feels like really resonant and often finds really smart edits but she was really having trouble finding like the underlying structure on this one unlike norman norman where it was just fully formed she passed it to you and me devon to just like take a crack at it and we just spent like a day where I was just at the editing desk and you were on the couch giving feedback.
2: Maybe we should just like outline what our what our editing process has been cross country. Like we have developed, without ever even really talking about it, we have a like, I, th- I always think of it as like writing letters, like a correspondence.
0: We talk through our edits, yeah. Where Sophie will do an edit and then I'll do my own edit. And it's not that the edits we're sending each other are per se like what we think the film should be exactly as much as us trying to put our ideas into it or react to each other to try to send each other like almost little messages i'll cut something down further than it should be to try to like get across (laughs) that it should be shorter or that we should really think about what's essential or to try to like emphasize finding the structure and sophie will reorder something or add in some detail that isn't on the surface obvious or like we'll re-expand it and like stress the uh, certain the scope of certain things and yeah it's just a it's a really organic way to go back and forth and do an edit even though we're cross country
2: yeah well i mean some people they you know they get together together and they do like a share screen and do every edit together but i really love the spontaneity and surprises that i get from you where like i will put up forward an edit and i don't see the changes you make until i watch the cut and so it really lets me react to it in full rather than just like seeing you make every choice
0: it allows editing to be so personal, too, which is so
2: nice. I never know what you're going to bring to the table. And oftentimes, you know, I wouldn't ask you to do the things that you're doing. And you just do them, and then it provokes a response in me. Like I think it's a like, very organic way to edit. It's by virtue of our locations, but I have a hard time imagining just like sitting in a room and editing with someone now. I love this like back-and-forth experience. The edit is one thing, but then score has been sort of an incidental thing on all my films where I'm like, I don't know if we need score. And then you'll come up with something. And then I'm like, yeah, that makes it way better.
0: Well, in Dog Years, I remember you had talked about like, ah, this one might need a score. And I kind of like pitched myself to do it, which I've like, I'm not much of a composer, you know, I I don't have traditional training or anything. And like, I, I tend to do very simple stuff. But I think I have a pretty good ear for spotting where the music should go and the kind of texture or structure that it should have to help. The film along, Sophie will often say to me something like, "I don't even know, you know, uh, this just needs some music. I think it could be even be a single tone." And my reaction to that is always, "I don't want to do that," just because I think sometimes single tones are more distracting, ironically, than like than they're intended to be. Like they're intended to be very subtle, but they can be distractingly monotonous. But I, I still try to like honor the simplicity and the immersiveness that I think she's trying to get at, and give the music an arc so on in dog years it was just there's like a three note theme that gets introduced at the start and all four of the little musical pieces are kind of variations on the theme and trying to move it from this kind of menacing battle twin peaks-esque synth music into this warm accepting delicate stuff at the end just give it a little arc and it's a movie about old dogs and dying dogs so it's it's ultimately it's going to be sentimental but like really trying to like earn the sentiment
2: I think I'm always averse to being overly sentimental with score. There's certain things I don't have the language for. I think it's more organic to have Devin show me what he's thinking for color. And then for me to react to it rather than me just like telling him what to do. Because I think that's more where the collaboration comes in is like Devin is an expert at what he does. So he can show me things that I couldn't articulate. And then I can kind of work from there. And same with you, Will. So you'll do something... With score with the edit that I wouldn't think to do and that's why you're my collaborator <laughs> you know like if i was going to do all this myself then like what's the point right there's some directors that just know exactly what they want going into a project and what they want to be accomplished and they can just ask for it whereas i think i really like to see what other people bring to the table and then i can react to it and say yes or no or that's where like it's interesting cuz you you have more than one brain coming together to create something
0: you're finding new grammars for the director's intent and that's really fun to do
1: one thing that Will briefly mentioned that I want to kind of underline too is just how much fun that one day of editing was. It's the most I've ever been involved in the picture of, of a film I didn't direct. It was just one day where we just went through it and go, okay, there's no sacred cows. We're going to do whatever it takes to get this movie under, a, the, you know, a certain time and still make sense. That was so much fun. I greatly enjoyed the experience.
0: And it still shifted, like Sophie had a few edits, a few things she wanted to put back in or shift around. They were all good calls. And that was the, yeah, it was so fun breaking it in that one day. I forget why. It felt like it had to be in one day, and I don't remember why.
2: But it was, it's 10 dogs, right? It's 10 dogs in 10 minutes. So roughly a minute a dog. (laughs) So yeah, that's why it was, it was tricky because there was no structure in terms of like beginning, middle, end of footage. It's all the same. It's all interviews with the dogs. But we did have i think what's nice about not showing faces is we have the freedom to show different footage with the dogs than what's actually being recorded in the moment i remember one of the owners is saying it's hard for me to get up in the morning at the same time we cut the dog like standing up and so we were able to do these like little playful things that you can't do if you're matching lips with dialogue so that gave us a lot more freedom even if it was limiting, there was more freedom in other ways.
1: I also have always thought that this was a particularly interesting use of cinemascope. Probably people who know me know that I really am critical of films that use scope for the wrong reasons. And I remember you you pitched that to me and I was like, what? And then you explained it and it made sense. It's just a nice counterintuitive way to use an aspect ratio that people associate with breadth and scope, you know, width. You're treating it as a vertical subtractor, which I, th- I thought was pretty cool.
2: That's so- true. Yeah, I think it, it was the best way that we could get as much of the frame as possible from side to side to give the dogs freedom to like move move around laterally as they do but then to get the humans out of there cute cute stuff
1: the cute dogs some of whom have passed on some of whom are are still with us i think
2: i know i keep getting devastating emails like every few months about them dying it's uh, a curse
1: mango i think only lasted a week after we filmed wasn't it yeah yeah mango i'll never forget that dog who looks like
2: Yeah, no, but it was really nice because all the all the owners clearly kind of had the same experience I had with Norman. Norman, where now I'm like looking back at that film, like so grateful I have it. So whenever one of the dogs pass away and I get this message, they're all just like, oh, I'm so glad I can like look back at this footage and I have this thing to commemorate my dog at the at the end of their life. And it's like it's such a sweet you know, shared experience. And I'm, I'm really glad that we got to do that.
0: Thanks for listening, folks. You can hear the rest of the commentaries on this podcast feed or find them on filmformally.com. Paige Smith is our associate producer and Amanda Avery is this episode's editor. This podcast was recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. Till next time.